This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A Athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country powered by Backcourt Marketing. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And let me just say this before we get going. Obviously, a lot to talk about. It's Pac-12 tournament week for the men's basketball team. The women are off. Um, and, and football's back in spring practice. Shane, we have two of the best guests that I'm, I'm telling you, this might be one of our most awesome shows uh, of all time on Wildcat Country. We have the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier, who really never coached at Arizona, honestly, but his son is on Jed Fish's staff, and, and that was Jed Fish's mentor. So it'll be really uh, good to talk to one of the great characters and head coaches in college football history. And, and, and he'll be and he'll be talking at, at Jed Fish's camp here in a couple of weeks, too. That's the main reason why I brought him on. Just want right. to mention that. Yeah. And so we're really looking forward to that. And of course, uh, your favorite college basketball analyst, a guy that speaks with a ton of passion and knows his stuff and was a really annoying player for Arizona to face back in the early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, and that was that's Casey Jacobson of Fox Sports. He'll be calling the Pac-12 uh, tournament games for Fox and Fox Sports 1 this weekend. So great show on tap. You guys are going to want to listen to every second of this one. Fantastic. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to getting to it. But before we go any further, it is time for Buy or Sell, powered by our friends at Ice Shaker. Check them out, iceshaker.com. You know, my my little plug, you know, I like to do these sponsor plugs. And it, we're really lucky, Shane. We have two awesome sponsors that really believe in obviously backcourt marketing who who's the presenting sponsor of the show and ice shaker you know whether you're going to the gym on the golf course uh you know i i played golf uh this weekend and, and you yeah, and go, my go, ahead, go ahead and do yeah. some name dropping eric yeah no i'm not name dropping anybody i'm not gonna do that it was i was in it was in a cool golf tournament nonetheless uh these things are so cool and you want to check them out we we had actually I had a friend who purchased two of them that were non-Wildcat Country editions. But you can but, buy the Wildcat Country editions as and, well. And how do you get a discount code, Shane? Uh, Wildcat Country, you put that in, uh, that promo code in when you're for your first purchase, $5 off. Capital W, capital C, all one word, Wildcat Country. All right. So uh, check that out, iceshaker.com. All right, here we go. Buy or sell. This is These questions are pretty much what you would want us to answer. So we're going to start with these. Number one, Shane, Arizona deserves a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, regardless of what happens this weekend in Vegas. Do you buy or sell that? I buy that they deserve one. I'm selling that they've locked one up. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I and I think I even said this, I thought, look, if they finish 18 and two, that they, they beat either USC or Colorado, then take care of business against uh, Stanford and Cal, they'd have a one seed locked up. I'm not as confident in that now. If you're, I'm just going to address your question for now. Your question was, do they deserve one at this point, regardless of what happens the rest of the way? Yes, absolutely. You, know, you get caught up in the quad one wins. They have five of them. USC is right outside quad one for, for their, their home win. They have a bunch of wins right outside of quad one. So and a lot more than other teams do. They, they don't have a bad loss. The Colorado loss wasn't great, but it wasn't awful by any means. UCLA, Tennessee, those aren't bad losses. So 
absolutely, I think even if they do suffer a defeat in the Pac-12 tournament quarterfinals against Stanford or, God forbid, ASU, I think that they have earned a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm with you, Shane. I'm bye, 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 bye. Uh, here are the number one seeds. You have uh, Arizona or Gonzaga is going to be the one overall. You have the winner of the Big 12, assuming it's Kansas or Baylor. You have the winner of the SEC, assuming it's Auburn or Kentucky. And you have Arizona. I don't see unless the Wildcats were to lose by like 40 to Stanford or, and I'm not even sure Stanford can score 40 or ASU. And, and, you know, I I just, you know, so, so here's the scenario and people are getting mad at me for saying that Arizona doesn't have a one seed locked up. Look again, I think they should, I'm I'm talking about what the selection committee is going to do or what they might, what they might do. Here's a scenario where I think they could still lose the one seat. Okay. They lose to Stanford or ASU on Thursday. That would be a non-quad one. That'd be a quad two loss. They're only quad two loss as of now. And Colorado's right on the cusp there. Right. Then you, you have you know, Auburn wins the SEC uh, turning. So they're a one seed. Gonzaga's a one seed. I think, I think they're the only lock for sure at this point. Okay. All right. Then you have, say, Kansas and Baylor meet in the Big 12 championship game. Kansas wins a close game. As of now, uh, Lenardi at least has them as Baylor as, as the number two right ahead of Arizona. In that scenario, would you knock Baylor out of a one seed for losing a close game to Kansas in the championship yeah, game? Or would you I'm saying I'm asking what the committee would do, or would you be would you look at that as an excuse to throw Arizona into the West region with Gonzaga? And because they love to do that kind of crap. So I'm just saying. I think there's a scenario, a lot of things would have to play out, but I think there's a scenario where if Arizona were to lose in the Pac-12 tournament quarterfinals, they could still be snubbed of a one seat. So I don't think it's locked up yet. I'm sorry. Don't hate the, don't shoot the messenger. And look, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And hopefully it won't even come to that. Look, hopefully they at least get to the the Pac-12 tournament championship game, but I don't think it's locked up yet. I still think there is work to be done. Okay. So I want to lead into number two, uh, I, I don't even, I'm, I'm kind of afraid, but our, our buddy Jeff Dean brought this up and uh, on Twitter and you scoffed at it. And I, I actually, I'm not, I'm not going to say, I'm not buying or selling this one. I'm just going to present it out there. If you were Tommy Lloyd, Shane, assuming Gonzaga wins his conference tournament, and we're recording this uh, the night before the WCC championship game, which Gonzaga is in. Uh, if Gonzaga wins that tournament, you, Arizona can't get the number one overall seed. Uh, you would not be playing your starters too many heavy minutes Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm not saying bench them for good. I'm just saying, you know, I wouldn't play guys 25 minutes or more. Let's say that. Okay. So so yourself. Okay. So you know how I feel. We've already talked about, I think they still have maybe have work to do to get to earn a one seat to secure, absolutely lock up a one seat. Okay. Throwing that out the window for a second. Let's say they go into this tournament and they've locked up a one. I still hate the idea of playing back at all. And I don't think that's what this team is made of. I understand, you know, you know, not wanting to risk injury, but there's a risk every single time you take the court, even during practice, there's a, there's a risk. So I don't, I don't think this team would respond well to that. Like if Tommy Lloyd went out and said, look, you guys aren't playing as many minutes. We're going to put Adama ball and Shane Noel in there and, and whatever. I, I think that he would lose these guys a little bit. So no, I don't like the idea of playing back at all. Uh, I, I, w- I think they need to go all out to win this tournament and not necessarily because of seeding, but because just keep it, keep the momentum going. And could you imagine like, you know, playing a little looser, you know, benching some of your, your starters late in the game with a, a packed arena full of, of, of Arizona red. So I don't see it. 
I know it's been a discussion. I understand the logic behind it. But even if, like I said, if Arizona had a one seed locked up, which I don't think they do, I completely sell the idea that they should tank even a little bit in the Pac-12 tournament. Here's why I'm saying this, Shane. I see Wisconsin yesterday. Uh, Johnny Davis, their best player, All-American, gets hurt. Wisconsin loses to Nebraska. Do you really want – we saw Dalen Terry go down, I think it was Thursday, yeah. late in the game against mm-hmm. Stanford, and you're like – we're all like, oh, God, if Dalen Terry's hurt. Ben yeah. Matherin, uh, Tabellis, Coloco, or Terry, if one of those four guys gets hurt, Arizona is in deep trouble. Do you really want to risk that in games that probably don't mean much? So what are you suggesting? Are you suggesting that, that they don't play or they play no, 10 minutes or, two, or what? I, I'm just saying – no more than 20. I'm putting a minute restriction and nobody's yeah. playing more than 25 minutes. I don't, like it. In these I don't games. like it. I look, I get it. I get it. And like, look, as a lifelong Suns fan, or I mean, U of A too with Brandon Ashley, but lifelong Suns fan that's seen championship runs derailed by injuries. I, I get it completely. Sure. But I just feel like th- there's the intangibles of uh, playing for each other and the cockiness this team has. And, the, the the positive vibe that Tommy Lloyd has brought to this team. I think you, you risk losing. I, I think the risk of playing back a bit maybe even exceeds the risk of injury, right. which again, you have regardless of how many minutes a team, but yeah. you know, I brought like, I referenced the Suns. you know, Danny Manning's injury the year after mm-hmm. the Suns went to the finals mm-hmm. was during a practice. Okay. It could happen anytime. So yes. I don't like, I get what you're saying. I get yep. it. I get it, but I don't, like it, I am going to sell. We'll ask uh, Casey Jacobson what he thinks about this. I'm not saying that I'm buying it. I'm just throwing that suggestion out there. I know. Saying, you know, I would consider that. Okay. Uh, number three, the team that scares you most in Vegas for Arizona's purposes uh, on its side of the draw, not including the Southern California schools, is not Oregon or Colorado. It's the red hot ASU Sun Devils who Arizona potentially could face on Thursday. Do you buy or sell that? Well, I guess I'd buy from the standpoint that that the idea of losing to them in the Pac-12 tournament is is awful. You know, you think you have a clean sweep of the Sun Devils, you don't have to see them until next season, and then you lose to them, and that potentially cost you a one seed. That would be the nightmare scenario. So in that regard, yes, uh, I do think that if they meet, Arizona would win. I think it would be a, a tough game. Uh, you know, and ASU's played Arizona pretty tough. You know, for one and a half games, they played Arizona tough. You know, they jumped out to the big lead in the game you went to in Tempe. Before that, the game in Tucson that I was at, uh, thanks to, to the tickets you provided me, uh, it was like it, uh, it was great being McHale. Don't get me wrong, but it was like two hours in a dentist chair. It was just so difficult to watch because it was just a grind out kind of game. So. In, in terms of like the rivalry, yes, it's scary. But if you're just talking about like which teams are most likely to, to beat Arizona uh, in the Pactal tournament, I think we're probably going to talk about this in our last segment. I think there are teams that are a little bit scarier. So, yes, ASU is playing well. I, I'm, I don't know if they're going to get past Stanford in, in the in the first round. I think Stanford might might pull it together. Stanford's not. No, Stanford's yeah, not. Good. We'll see. Not we'll good. see. Uh, ASU's on a roll. That game scares me a little bit. I think Arizona wins. I think the game's close yeah, uh, if, if ASU makes it there on Thursday. Okay. Uh, number uh, four, the team n- not named Gonzaga that should scare Arizona most in the NCAA tournament, I know this is early, on paper, is Baylor. And here's why I'm going to say Baylor is that team. They slow the game down. We saw the formula for beating Arizona to, is to slow it down. Do not get in a track meet. Arizona will outscore probably every team if it's a high-scoring game. Maybe Gonzaga would be the toughest one. Baylor will grind that game to a halt. That is why, to me, they are the second team I'm scared of 
facing in the NCAA tournament or in Arizona's region. Would you agree with that? Uh, a healthy Baylor. Yeah, I'll buy it. I think that okay. that's, that's a good, uh, good analysis, Eric. Um, I, they, they would concern me. Certainly um, you look at the list of players, former Arizona players or former Arizona commits in KJ Simpson's case, who come back to beat the Wildcats. You got to think James Akinjo. Uh, it just would be fitting if he went off for 30, but uh, I, I would buy that. I think um, the other team that for whatever reason that concerns me is Kentucky. If, if they were to meet uh, in a, in a one, two game or in the final four, uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think ba- Baylor is, is in terms of matchups is probably the toughest Arizona would face outside of Gonzaga. Okay. Uh, this one is not men's team related, but let's, let's touch on the women. They suffered a first round exit against Colorado in the uh, women's Pac-12 tournament last Thursday. So yeah. uh, number five, does the Arizona women's team deserve a top four seed knowing that Kate Reese is probably not going to be 100% the rest of the season. I buy that they deserve a, a top four. Uh, and by the way, ESPN's uh, resident bracketologist, women's bracketologist, Charlie Cream, has Arizona still as a four seed. Uh, the selection committee uh, can and does factor in injuries. And Arizona didn't have Kate Reese for its final three and, I guess, one quarter games, uh, which they, they could have won, you know, you might, good chance they would have won a couple of those. So you factor that in, you look at their, their non-conference that went over Louisville still shines. It's sure. still very, very good. I wish they had a chance to play Stanford at home, but they didn't. Uh, but the win over Oregon, the win over Colorado early in the season. I think that they squeak in as a, as a top 16. Uh, you're asking me if they, I think they deserve it. I think so. And then the, a separate question that I'll ask myself, will they, I think they will. They were, I think, uh, before the, the conference tournaments, they were the number 11 overall seed in mm-hmm. the lightest projections. I don't think they're going to tumble all the way out of the top 16 after that. And I think, again, factoring in Kate Reese's injury, she is their best player. I think the committee is gonna, going to take that into account and give Arizona a couple of home games in the tournament. I'm going to sell this, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, I don't think Kate Reese will be 100% the rest of the way. Who knows what kind of uh, contribution she'll provide. And at that point, I just don't think Arizona is a top 20 caliber team without Kate Reese, a healthy Kate Reese. Uh, I appreciate what they did earlier in the season did not really finish that. Well, uh, I do not think they deserve home court. I hope they get it. Obviously, yeah, it, I just it don't just, think they deserve it. It would just be such a shame. I mean, last, last yes. year they didn't, they didn't get the opportunity because everything was centralized because of COVID the year before that they would have hosted and they don't have plenty of years where they'll get it. I know it's just be the third year in a row where they just kind of get, I don't want to say yeah. screwed out of it, but it, it's where it looks like they, they they're going to be able to play some NCAA tournament games in front of their home fans. And that won't happen. So it's, I it's, really, I really hope that they squeak in this time. It's the Kate Reese injury. I'm telling you that that's the Maybe. only reason that's the only yeah. reason. All right. Uh, bonus question, Shane, I, I, the, the first, uh, game, the first week of uh, spring practice was last week. And watching Arizona, just the highlights that I saw from Arizona's uh, receiving core. You got T-Mac, you have uh, Jacob Cowing, you know, from UTEP. You have Dorian Singer. You have some other guys. Jamari Joyner just had another foot surgery. Yeah. I, I mean, Shane, is it crazy to think that Arizona's offense will be in the top half of the Pac-12 now with a legitimate quarterback and probably the best receiving core I would say, arguably, in the conference. Are you buying or selling Arizona's offense top half of the conference at this juncture? Ooh, that's a good question, Eric Cohen. Uh, I, without thinking more about it, because you put me on the spot, that's the whole idea behind this bonus question, right? 
I'll I'll sell it for now with the okay. option to change my mind. Okay. Uh, I the offensive line still concerns me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have the quarterback. They have a more quarterback depth now. Obviously, Delora looks like he's going to be the guy. Plenty of great wide receivers. You know, whoever starts a quarterback for Arizona is going to have the luxury of just being able to toss it up to T Mac or or a couple of other guys and know they're going to come down with it. You know, there aren't a lot of quarterbacks going to be in that situation. So. But top half, you're talking about just a, a total offense. Statistically, yeah. Statistically, total offense. Uh, I, I'll sell for now. I'm thinking more like in the seven to eight range. But but before the season starts, ask me that again, and okay. I might change my yeah. mind. So you know, I'm the ultimate optimist uh, when it comes to anything Arizona football related. I, I'm just saying this. I'm not bullish on Colorado. I'm not bullish on Washington's offense. Uh, about on Cal's offense, on Stanford's offense, uh, on ASU's offense. Yeah, so right ASU. there. I mean, and so right there, Arizona to me is in the top seven, just on paper right there. Call me crazy. And and I think the Wildcats are definitely top five or six. So uh, right now I'm buying it. Uh, But then again, we know I am overly optimistic when it comes to everything Arizona football related. All right, Shane, coming up, I'm so excited to introduce our two guests. Uh, These guest segments are just, I mean, crazy. Steve Spurrier, one of the great coaches He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's one of the great coaches in the history of college football and the ultimate character going to join us. And then uh, your favorite uh, broadcaster, Casey Jacobson, who whose passion really stands out. So looking forward to having them on. Uh, what a great episode of Wildcat Country powered by Backcourt Marketing. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Krakowski here. Bear down. Let's go. I wanted to introduce you to the newest sponsor of the Wildcat Country podcast. That's the Ice Shaker. So check this out. Keep your drinks hot. Keep your drinks cold. We got you covered. Snag one today. Use coupon code Wildcat Country at IceShaker.com. Shane, this one is uh, super exciting as we teased on last week's show. Uh, one of the great personalities in the history of college football, Heisman Trophy winner, national championship winning coach, uh, college football Hall of Famer, the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier, joining us here in Wildcat Country. Coach, great to have you. And what's interesting about Jed Fish in his uh, being now at Arizona in his second year as head coach, he said he went to the University of Florida just to work under you. What do you remember about Coach Fish uh, while at UF? Oh, I didn't know he came to Florida to, to do that. Jed was, uh, I guess, a volunteer. Uh, he helped our running back coach, Buddy Tevens, uh, one or two years. So uh, he was just sort of hanging around. And, of course, we, he was welcome, and he helped out uh, any way he could. But uh, I didn't know he came because I was the coach there. But I know uh, uh, some other coaches, like Brian Schottenhammer, he transferred from Kansas to come to Florida because he wanted to be a, a ball coach and an offensive coach. And, and of course, Brian's been in the NFL uh, many years. and. Uh, I guess he's still waiting on a head job like a lot of assistant coaches are. But uh, I didn't know Jed came because of me. Well, Coach, uh, first of all, like Eric said, thanks so much for joining us. I uh, love the Arizona shirt you got on uh, for those watching. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, I, I was, the story is, is Jed Fish left a note, a sticky note on your car every day for a long time to try to get his foot in the door. Is, it, is that all? Is that an accurate story? I don't know about every day, but I think he left a few. Uh, but then he, uh, he got a chance to go, uh, John Hope got a chance to go to the NFL, I think the Houston Texans, and, uh, they had a spot for Jed out there. 
Uh, so I think that uh, that started his moving around. And obviously in the coaching profession, you need to move around a bit and then hopefully land the top job like Arizona. I think Arizona is an excellent job. And uh, the recruiting success he had this year, I think, proves that. Uh, those kids want to go to Arizona. It's a nice place to live, play ball, uh, get a degree from the school. And uh, if you're good enough to go to the NFL, you can go right from Arizona. No question about it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Coach, because you know Arizona obviously had a, a rough first year under Coach Fish, as we all knew they would based on the situation when you came in. But Arizona currently has the best or second best incoming class in the Pac-12, depending on which service you're looking at, and a top 25 class nationally. They've added some outstanding transfers. Objectively, Coach, have you ever seen a program put together that kind of class after a 1-11 season? Uh, well, I haven't, I haven't watched a lot to, to, to do that, but I will say that uh, uh, obviously the success this coming year will prove whether this class is really good or not. I've, I've seen some recruiting classes uh, that, that didn't pan out. So to me, it's always wait, wait till the, you know, the season starts. But obviously, uh, Jed and his coaches uh, were able to sell University of Arizona football. Uh, to so many good players. Now, hopefully they can come together and, and form a very good team uh, next year. It doesn't take long nowadays with that transfer portal. If you get uh, a, a bunch of good players and, and recruit well, I, I think you can turn it around quickly. So uh, hopefully that'll ha- happen for the Wildcats next year. Is that something that hasn't changed um, since your, your day, since you first started coaching, that selling kids on the idea of getting better and going to the NFL is the most important thing? don't know that we said it was the most important thing back when I was coaching. Uh, we threw it out a little bit, uh, but we really, I don't know, you talk about getting a degree from your university, uh, playing on some championship teams, hopefully, and have some memories of a lifetime, uh, trying to set some uh, school records. And I was always big into, man, if we could do something that's never been done before, uh, that's a memory of a lifetime. So I was fortunate enough to be around a bunch of teams that did it for the first time ever. Uh, uh, like even here at Florida, when we won 10 games my second year, that was the first time in history Florida had ever won 10. And then we won 11, then we won 12. And then we started playing one more game, and Urban won 13. So Urban, uh, he's got the school record. But uh, anyway, those things we tried to sell. But we also said, hey, if you're good enough playing the NFL, you can go anywhere just about. Uh, but hopefully uh, our staff here can uh, maybe develop uh, especially wide receivers and quarterbacks and offensive guys, because we were we were pretty much leading the conference every year in offense. So uh, probably had a little better track record uh, on that side. But we had more defensive first-round picks than offensive guys. So we were able to attract uh, those outstanding defensive players also. Yeah, your teams, I remember at Florida, were just so much fun to watch. And, I mean, the, the air raid show, the Danny Werfel, that's, you know, Shane and I growing up, remember watching uh, those teams, just phenomenal. I want to ask you about realistic expectations from the fans' point of view. So Jed Fish was one in one in eleven in his first year. What is a from you've rebuilt programs? What is a fair expectation for fans to think about the progression of this program in terms of record and you know potentially making a bowl game? Is it year two? Is it year three or beyond that? Oh, I don't have the answer for all those questions. Uh, I always think you just go year by year. And obviously, uh, I think Arizona, uh, their players played hard last year. They only won one, uh, but they had a chance to win two or three others. 
So maybe those close losses will turn into victories uh, starting this coming year. Uh, but every year, uh, every team stand, stands on its own merit, I believe. Uh, you can have different leaders and uh, just a few different players here and there that can make a, a whole lot of difference one way or the other. So uh, uh, I don't know. I just I just like to if, – if I'm watching coaches, uh, obviously you watch a whole bunch of years and add them all up and see how they did. Uh, but I think you, you go year by year. And uh, right now, if I'm in Arizona, we didn't do very well last year, but we're going to try to do a whole bunch better this year. I think that's the attitude uh, Jed and the guys have. Got to love that right there. You know, it's interesting, Coach. So your son, Scott, is on Jed Fish's staff. But what's interesting is your other son, Steve Jr., was on Mike Stoop's staff back in 2004. And I remember mm -hmm. as a student that I was a senior, and it was rumored that you were on the sideline for the ASU-Arizona game that year that, that Arizona ended up upsetting ASU. What do you know about the Arizona-ASU rivalry and, and just kind of your thoughts on that? Well, I wasn't on the sideline, but I was at that game. Yeah, my wife and I flew out uh, for the last one of the year there, and uh, Arizona had, I think, a pretty big upset over mm -hmm. Arizona State uh, that Saturday. And I know we had a bunch of happy Wildcats after that game. So uh, I was out there for that one. Uh, but other than that, that's, uh, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time in Arizona. Uh, I know our, our Florida Gators got clobbered in the Fiesta Bowl by Air, uh, Nebraska in, uh, after the 95 season, one of our best teams ever. But that was, uh, uh, I think, Coach Osmond's best ever Nebraska team, that 95 bunch that uh, we went out there undefeated and got beat 62 to 24. So uh, it was uh, – they ran the ball for 501 yards against us. So that I didn't have a lot of memories very well of the Fiesta Bowl, that's for sure. <laughs> and the Arizona fans don't have good memories of the last game they played in the Fiesta Bowl either. Eric and I were both there against Boise State. Uh, like Eric mentioned, Coach, your son Scott's a special teams analyst at Arizona. Just tell us a little bit more about <laughs> Scott and just a dad's insight into what he brings to Jed Fish's staff. Yeah, Scott uh, went to South Carolina. Uh, he was a walk-on player. I think earned a scholarship his last year. And then, obviously, for some reason, uh, coaches' kids, all almost all of them want to coach. So uh, we, we brought him on as a grad assistant there for a while. Then, uh, then I think when Muschamp was there, he was uh, an analyst again. Uh, and then he worked with Bobby Stoops in the XFL and worked for me in the uh, Alliance of American Football, the Apollos. And uh, we actually uh, ended up winning – uh, of course, he got cut short. We only played eight games. In fact, Ricky Neuhauser was uh, the head coach of the Arizona Hotshots. Right. It's the only game we lost uh, of our eight. We were seven and one, and uh, we were declared the champ uh, by FanDuel, the online betting site out of Vegas. They didn't want to give everybody their money back. So if you bet on the Orlando Apollos, you I think we were three and one odds to win the championship. So they, they paid that out. So he was uh, – Special team coach uh, there and with uh, Bobby Stoops in the XFL, uh, the team in Dallas. And, uh, and then he hooked on with Jed there. And uh, hopefully, hopefully he'll get promoted uh, to a full-time assistant here pretty soon. But he, he's, I think his specialty is all the special teams. Uh, field goals, extra points, uh, kickoff return, kickoff coverage. Uh, when he was with us in South Carolina, I told him to hang tight with our special team coordinator, a guy named Joe Robinson. And so he's, uh, he's well prepared to, to be a head special team coach, uh, hopefully real soon. And he also worked with the tight ends at both places also. Right. So he's the tight end coach and uh, helps with special teams. 
So we've gotten to know Jetfish a little bit out here in Tucson, and he's done you know, off the field. He's done everything right. We think the on-field on results are going to come. Can you give us a little more insight, either a story or an insight into, into Coach Fish's character that maybe most people don't know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I don't know uh, that I've been around him all that much. I did go to his wedding, though, uh, after uh, my two years with the Washington Redskins. I didn't have much to do there, and my, and my son Scott actually finished up high school that year. And uh, so I think Jed got married uh, somewhere up in New Jersey, uh, outside of New York. So I drove up for his wedding uh, on a Saturday, Friday night, and then I think he's married on a Saturday and so forth. But uh, now I've uh, I've just uh, noticed he's been around a lot of really good coaches. I mean, he's with the Rams and McVay. Seems like all of McVay's guys get a head job in the NFL now, so they must know what they're doing. And then, of course, uh, Jed was with Belichick a year, so uh, he's been around some good ones. Uh, but uh, on the other side, you got to do it your way. You know, you can learn from other coaches, uh, but you, you cannot uh, copy them, you know, coaching is sort of an individual type profession, but you, you got to put your own personal touch to it uh, to be successful. Yeah. Coach, uh, this is kind of a generic question, but I, I have to ask it. You've done so many things in uh, the history of college football, Heisman Trophy, national championship, etc. What is your most proud moment that you've had throughout your career? Proud moment as a, uh, a coach as a coach, as a, as a coach or player, either, either one. Well, I think I'd have to separate as a player. If you want to go to a player, uh, as a player, my teams didn't win a whole bunch of big championships. We did not win a conference when I was here, came in second a couple of times. Uh, <clears throat> as a player with the 49ers, we won some divisions and that was about uh, the end of that. We got beat in the playoffs. Uh, but as a player in high school, Baseball, I'm telling you, we could not lose, basically. Mm. We won the state championship my junior and my senior year. Wow. And for some reason, and that was uh, state of Tennessee, there was no classification in. So we, we won my junior year in Nashville and then in Memphis uh, my senior year. And for some reason or another, I don't know why, but uh, as a pitcher, I never lost a game pitching. In, uh, really? Two years. I think it was like 14 and 0, something like that. And uh, so people ask me what, as a player, I think winning those state championships. Uh, and and uh, I actually pitched both games against the Memphis Christian Brother High School uh, my senior year. So if I had to say what was the greatest accomplishment, I'd say winning uh, that, that state championship, beating the uh, Christian Brothers. Uh, as a coach, there's too many of them. As a coach, uh, sometimes winning the SEC, uh, it is about as big as winning the national championship. You notice Georgia won the national championship this year, but they did not win the SEC, Alabama, SEC. And uh, Kirby Smart even said, it may be harder to win the SEC than it is the national. You got to win your division, and then you got to beat the team from the other side. And uh, Nick Saban, I think, has won two nationals uh, without winning the SEC. You know, he he, uh, got into the final game and – and, uh, and won it that way. So winning all those S, we won seven SECs when I was here. So I would say those, those in the one national, you get to lump them all in together and uh, say those, those are sort of the highlight games uh, as a coach for me. So I have this debate. I know this is Wildcat country, but I've got to ask you about generic college football. Uh, I have a debate with, with some friends on the greatest college football team of our lifetimes. 
Um, some say 95 Nebraska that you just referenced in the Fiesta Bowl. Some say 2001 Miami, who I believe you faced in the Sugar Bowl the year before they won the national championship against Nebraska. Um, would you put one of those teams up there? Would you put one of your teams up there on, on the greatest team that you've seen in your lifetime in college football? Uh, I'll let, I'll let other people make those decisions. Uh, obviously the best team we played against <clears throat> was probably that Nebraska team. Uh, Tommy Frazier, the quarterback. And, uh, of course they had that player that got in trouble. Uh, Lawrence Phillips. Lawrence Phillips. Yeah. Sad, sad case, but he ran for about 150 or 70 that day. And Tommy Frazier ran for a bunch. Probably the best team we went against. Although I tell you what, FSU had a bunch of good teams all the years we played them. Uh, they were usually number one or two in the country every time we played them, it seemed like, uh, in the 90s. So they were right there with uh, Nebraska. And, and then, of course, some of the Alabama teams were awfully good. Uh, but probably, the, obviously, the one that clobbered us the most was that Nebraska team of 95. So, Coach, uh, I know you're going to be speaking at uh, Arizona's Be a Pro Coaching Clinic, which is part of the uh, Jetfish Football Camp, March 25th, 26th. Can you give us a sneak preview of what attendees can expect to hear yeah, from you? Yeah, I was waiting on that question. I was waiting on that question. Uh, I've got a little list of things here. I like every time I get a chance to talk to high school coaches or college coaches or whoever, uh, because when I got into coaching after 10 years in the NFL, now I wasn't supposed to be a coach. I mean, how many guys played in the NFL went on to be a coach? You know, anybody? <laughs> There's only two guys up there, I think, that played in the NFL, uh, Jim Harbaugh and Scott Frost, <clears throat> that are actually college coaches now. Most of them are like Jed Fish. And a lot of them didn't even play college football, but they learned how to do it. They learned as they went. So anyway, I got into coaching, fortunately, because somebody hired me here at Florida, and then we all got fired. And uh, I went Pepper Rogers, George Tech, he got fired. But I met the Duke University coach. So I got a chance to go to Duke University as the offensive coordinator. And to win at Duke, the offense had to play well, very well, not just average, or else we're all going to get fired again, and I'm probably not going to ever get a chance to be a coach. Uh, and our coach there handed out a sheet uh, about my – I think my first year there, uh, Coach Red Wilson, <clears throat> excuse me, a wonderful guy. It's called Guidelines uh, for Player-Coach Relationship. Guidelines. This is how you're supposed to coach. And, uh, I mean, it just it starts out with treat everyone fairly, the way they deserve to be treated. <clears throat> you don't treat everybody the same way. You treat them the way they deserve to be treated. Uh, if you have to criticize a player, do it to his face. Don't do it behind his back. But then after you criticize, say something positive, you bring him back. Uh, stay under control. Don't lose your temper. Coach, coach, and keep coaching before you criticize your players. And then I mean, it goes on and on. Uh, never allow any player to loaf. And then I get, then John Wooden's got some quotes in here that, uh, that I really like also. Uh, one of his is that uh, honesty is the centerpiece of a coach-player relationship. Don't BS your players. Don't tell them something that's not true. It'll come back. They won't. Uh, they won't trust you. Uh, and it goes. Uh, it goes on and on. And uh, so I, I like to go over this list with young coaches, and hopefully they can see some things in here that maybe they can do better, and uh, and go from there. 
Uh, I know one of the, another John Wooden quote is that conditioning uh, will pay dividends before the first half is over. Uh, We never bragged about how hard our teams work, but I can assure you we conditioned probably more than most any of the teams. And Coach Wooden's, uh, one of his comments on conditioning was, you be the best you can be. You don't worry about the opponent. Be the best you can be. And and that'll take care of conditioning. Every guy's trying to be in the best shape that he can be in. So I I go over, uh, I've got about 30 of them, but I go over about 15 or 20 and and try to emphasize, if if you know how to be a good coach, you got a chance. If you don't, then it's going to be difficult. In terms of conditioning, Arizona men's basketball definitely has that down right now. That's one of the reasons they're the best team in the teams, this teams in the country. Uh, you know, last question for you, coach. I'm going to be really do appreciate your time. Uh, tell us more about what you're up to these days and your current role at the University of Florida. Yeah, when my coaching days uh, in college were over, University of Florida called called me up and said, "We're going to put your name on the stadium." So uh, it's called Steve Spurrier Florida Field. And we're going to give you a little job here called Ambassador and give you an office. So I've got an assistant lady uh, that actually set this Zoom call up and uh, does most all my travel and so forth. Uh, So I got something to do every day. And uh, we opened a restaurant uh, six, seven months ago here called Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. Uh, It's in one of the big shopping center areas here that's very popular. And it's done pretty well. In fact, I got to go out there tonight. Again, uh, the University of Florida Foundation has got about 100, 125 of their uh, strong boosters uh, having a dinner there tonight. So uh, that keeps me pretty busy uh, at least two nights a week uh, going to the restaurant, uh, shaking a few hands and so forth. Uh, Mike Shanahan has got a very successful restaurant in Denver. And uh, he said, coach, you got to get in there at least twice a week or so. That's what, you know, uh, people want to know that you come in there. They don't want to just see your name on the building. So, so I try to do that a bunch and uh, travel around a bit. Uh, I'll probably come out to the Fiesta Summit meeting again this year in Phoenix. Uh, those guys, uh, I've been to a bunch of those. My wife really loves coming out there to that one also. So travel around a bit and uh, keep up with uh, my other son is coaching at Mississippi State with Mike Leach. And uh, so I get uh, one one game a year of those guys also. Well, Coach, just want to remind you that Mississippi State plays in Tucson on September 10th this year. So your two sons will be coaching against each other. You know, I did not know that. I'll put it on the books. I'm coming out for that one. And and next year they play in Starkville as well. So it's it's a home and home two-game series. Wonderful. So there's there's some good news. We really, Shane and I really appreciate having you on Wildcat Country and look forward to hopefully meeting you in person out here in Arizona one day and uh, hope to have you on the podcast again soon. All right. I'll be out there March 25 for the uh, Wildcat Coaches Clinic. Here with Dale Duncan, a very satisfied customer of Backcourt Marketing. Dale, can you tell us what Backcourt was able to do for your company? Well, they're taking me to the next level with helping me connect to new people for my business. They're helping me find new customers online. They meet with me monthly. They're listening to what I need, and they're really focused on helping me get there. Excellent. Dale, we appreciate your time. If you know someone who needs social media help, refer them to Backcourt Marketing and get rewarded. Or if you need social media assistance yourself, make sure to check out BackcourtMarketing.com.
Well, Shane, you you finally gotten your wish. It's it's uh, your favorite college basketball analyst, and yes, I know that uh, you are you are partial here. Casey Hi. Jacobson from uh, from Fox Sports, also one of the greatest shooters in Pac-10 slash Pac-12 history at Stanford and Wildcat Nemesis. Joining us, Casey, <laughs> really glad to have you on the show. I have two questions to start, and, and you're not going to like my first one, so I apologize in advance. So we're taping this on March 7th. On March 8th, 2001, so that'd be 21 years ago tomorrow, Stanford was number one in the nation and took on the number eight Arizona Wildcats. What happened that night, and what do you remember about that? Uh, you're going to have to refresh my memory. I, here's what, here's what I know. Okay. That I was two and one at McHale center. So oh, wow. if, okay. you're, if you're bringing this game up, that nope. has to mean that this game was played at Maples pavilion. Am I it right was. about that? It was. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. It was, uh, Arizona won. They were Arizona's number eight and won by one point and ended up not losing another game that season until the national championship game against Duke. That's right. That's so I just right. want to see what you remembered about that, and you'll see where I'm going with this. After you're trying that. to, you're trying to chase off our guest in 30 seconds. Yeah, I know. So. The first that that's a that's a first chain. Yeah. Um, okay. So I remember we lost. I remember that I had a step back jumper in Richard Jefferson's face. I remember that. Um, I want to say that I had probably 24 points, um, and that was uh, that game came off of my career high. I had 49 points against the Sun Devils two nights earlier. So wow. I think I was, uh, I was priority number one for the, um, uh, for the Wildcats, or maybe I'm thinking of a different year. Look, sometimes guys, this stuff blends together, mixes up. I yeah. forget, but I do remember the step back in front of Richard Jefferson's face that I'll, I'll remember forever. Okay. So that's, that's a good memory. Here's what I really wanted to ask you. Which team, in your opinion, is better? That team that you faced that year as a player mm. or this year's Wildcats team that you're broadcasting as an announcer? Wow, that's that's a solid question. Um, different, because I don't remember that Arizona team with Jason Gardner and, and Rich and Luke and all those guys um, being as up-tempo, like kind of washing over you with, with their speed. Um, but but similar in the fact that they had all the bases covered. I mean, every single guy could dribble, pass, and shoot. They had anchors down low. Um, they had shot blockers. Um, yeah, so a lot of similar. They, they had what five NBA players, maybe six NBA players on that 2001 team. I don't think that this Arizona team has that many. So um, in, in that regard, I would say probably the one that I played against was a little bit older and had more NBA players on it. Okay. So you, Eric is usually the guy who gushes over our guests, but it really, it's my turn. Your, your, your commentary is phenomenal. Obviously rem remember you uh, playing against, against our Wildcats back in the day. So we really appreciate your time. You laid out a checklist for what makes a final four team. And I want to go over yeah. that uh, future uh, NBA first round picks, yep. a top 20 defense in Ken Palm, great guard play and experience. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, Arizona seems to check three of those four boxes, but yep. they come up well short in the experience category. So my question <laughs> is, how big a concern should that be for Wildcat fans going into the NCAA tournament? It should be a concern. Let's let's not be, uh, you know, let's not beat around the bush here. It's an absolutely concern. It's, it's one of my only concerns that I have. Um, but what I mean by experience, though, isn't always what uh, – isn't necessarily what we're, what we're talking about right now. When I say experience, I'm talking about teams that don't rely on freshmen. Um, okay. When you have one and done freshmen, teams that rely on those type of kids 
um, they don't go far in the tournament. Now, this Arizona team doesn't have a lot of experience. They have a lot of sophomores, and they don't have any NCAA tournament experience. The only guy who's played in the tournament is Umar Balo, and he was, you know, reserved blowout minutes last year for Gonzaga. Yeah. So that is concerning. There's no question. I remember in my college career, the giant stage that is the NCAA tournament cannot be compared to any stage, whether it be at the McHale Center, at Pauley Pavilion, a packed Maple Pavilion, which has been packed, by the way, in about a decade, um, or any other stage. It's just different, right? It is just different. The media coverage, the media attention, all of that. So it'll be interesting when the Wildcats are faced with a team that's almost as athletic or just as athletic as they are in a massive environment like that. Um, but I've seen this team enough to know that, yeah, they don't have that game experience, but they got enough. It's not like they're young puppies who, who you know, they, they went on the road to Illinois in the, in the non-conference, one of the toughest places in all of the country to play, and they handled their own. They go to Knoxville, Tennessee, and they get smacked in the mouth. I think they're down 18-2 to two in that game, a rabid crowd an SEC crowd, and they figure out a way to get back into that game. And they lose, but they got back in. Arizona has shown me enough toughness and poise that I'm not so worried about that lack of experience. Fair enough. And talking about some of the intangibles on this team, you know, they genuinely seem to like each other. They play for each other. That Their, their you know, number of assists they put out every night seems to, to back that up. They also have a, a an edge to them that Eric and I have called cockiness that this team mm-hmm. has. Uh, I think it's maybe in part even led them to some of the success they've had this season. In your mind, just having that, I don't want to say arrogance, but just extreme confidence, is that a strength or a weakness heading into the postseason? Oh, I, I definitely think it's a strength. You guys, you'd much rather have a group of men out on the floor who believe in themselves maybe even too much um, than not enough. Sometimes, you know, I talk, my brother's a coach, uh, my oldest brother, and he's like, sometimes it's maddening when you have a player who's good and you're constantly having to motivate him and tell him how good he is and that he needs to reach his potential. You want to have guys that already believe in that and that you might have to pull the reins back on them a little bit. And this, so what you mentioned with this Arizona team, they, they don't lack for confidence. And the first guy that you think of is Kirk Creesa. I mean, he, he um, wears his emotions right on the sleeve of his jersey. Um, he's kissing floors, even though it's not senior night and he's only a sophomore. <laughs> um, you know, he's one of those guys that you kind of uh, other opposing fans love to hate. But, yep. you know, when, when he's on your squad, you appreciate his passion and joy for the game. I know head coach Tommy Lloyd said multiple times, not just once. He's the perfect fit for this team because of that, because of his energy, because of his belief and because of his elite passing ability. Now, having said all of that, the guy that I love the most on this team is Ben Matherin. I, I have seen so many times this year, Ben is one of those guys that sometimes will float in a game, meaning like he's playing the game, but he's not fully engaged. And then something, whether it's a bad call or a couple of missed shots in a row, and he goes into full like attack mode. He is such a competitor such a fighter. He's got that dog mentality inside of him that I wish he played with all the time, but maybe it's impossible for him to play 40 minutes straight like that. But when he activates that mode, he is the Pac-12 player of the year. He is one of the 10 best players in all of college basketball. All right. So if cockiness isn't a weakness and experience isn't a weakness for Arizona in the tournament, what factors might be and what's something that you're concerned about this Wildcats team going into March? 
madness. Well, look, well, look. If we look at their Pac-12 regular season, okay, they only lost two games, right? Yeah. Both of them were on the road mm-hmm. at U- UCLA at Arizona. Okay, so yeah, Colorado. The, yeah, Colorado. Oh, sorry, at, at, at Colorado, of course. Um, the at UCLA game, Jules Tubelis. Not 100%. His ankle was a mess. He played, what, 14 minutes. He was a total non-factor. And not only that, they attacked him when he was on the floor. They just tried to get switches onto Tubelis, and they tried to dribble drive him. Okay? And what did Kirk Creasa do? He goes 0 for 12 in that one. All right? Now let's hop over to the at Boulder game. And Kirk Creasa goes 1 for 6 in that mm-hmm. game. I do not want to lay those two losses at the feet of Kirk Creasa. That's unfair, and it's not what I believe. But I also think that it would be foolish not to bring it up. The two losses that Arizona has had this year, Kirk Kreese has combined one for 18. Does that worry me? It absolutely worries me. Is he good enough to, uh, and, and should he be on the floor at the end of games to close it out? You bet, because that dude's got swag and he's already hit multiple threes. But does it worry me that at times, Kerr doesn't realize that, he should be the fourth or fifth option on the team. Yes. Yes, that worries me at times. Um, he should be trying to get Ben Matherin, Azulis Tubelas, and Christian Coloco the ball as much as humanly possible. And if those guys are defended, then absolutely, Kerr, cast away. Do your thing. But exhaust all the options before you get to that mode. That would be my only um, thing that I, I worry about a little bit with Krisa. And then just the other, uh, the other thing, but this isn't an Arizona thing. This is a college basketball thing. A lot of teams, they go four or five minutes without scoring the ball sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I've seen Arizona do it, but I've seen every team do it. UCLA does it all the time. USC is like the biggest culprit probably of good teams that just go into these droughts where the ball stops moving. Guys start to think that they're the one that's going to take over the game. I'm going to do it on my own. Or they stop, uh, stop hitting threes. And I've seen Arizona – struggle from the three-point arc at times this year. So I do worry that in a, a one-and-done situation in the NCAA tournament, if Arizona shoots three for 19 from three, can they be beat? They absolutely can. Yeah, I mean, it's great analysis, Shane. That's why uh, that's why you always say Casey's the best in the business. Uh, sure. and, that, and it's spot on. Now, I'm going to really put you on the hot seat with this one. Shane and I talked about this early in the show. And it's a crazy idea, and I know he disagrees with it, uh, and I'm kind of on the fence. Uh, if Arizona beats, let's say Stanford or ASU on Thursday, um, are you okay if Tommy Lloyd maybe rests some of his better players more than he normally would, considering that Arizona would likely have a number one seed locked down? Why would they have a number one seed locked down? Thank I mean, you. I'm, um, I'm, I'm just saying it. A number one seed right now hey, is Gonzaga. Okay. okay. Yeah. Gonzaga, the winner of the Big 12, assuming it's Kansas or Baylor, winner of the yeah. SEC, Auburn or Kentucky. And Arizona. And I don't see anybody else that can get one of those. Um, all right. Well, here's – first of all, can I also say that these are uh, big boy problems. These are problems that a lot of people, like, wish they had. Well, right. What we're having a sure. conversation about is whether or not you should rest your good players because you have a number one seed in the NCAA tournament locked in. Correct. Like, my alma mater, Stanford – has made one NCAA tournament in the last 14 seasons. Okay. So I, I wish that Stanford had some of these discussions, but they don't. Um, But no, I just, I disagree with that. And I'm just going to put my player's Jersey back on for this question. Um, I want everybody to know if I were in an Arizona Jersey this year, I'd want everybody to know 
how good our team is all across America. I'd want everybody to know, including USC and UCLA, if they were to face them, how good we were and how dominant we are. Sometimes, okay, there is a legacy uh, question that comes into play here. Um, if this Arizona team wants to be in to, to reach their full potential, then winning a Pac-12 tournament and winning it by as many points as they possibly can is a part of that equation. If they, you know, dog it, they lose in the semis or they lose in the finals, I think, you know, anything short of a Final Four, and it'd be like, man, why, why didn't we finish the season a little bit stronger? No, nah, man, as a player, you play as hard as you can every single time. If Ben Matherin were on this call right now, he'd be like, shame on you. I'm going to torch those dudes. Whoever you put in front of me, I'm going to torch them. All right, Casey. Well, let's – and uh, you're spot on, by the way. Thank you for that. Uh, but look, sure. let's look ahead to the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, they're going to take on the winner of ASU-Stanford uh, in the first round. They get past them, poss- probably or- Oregon or Colorado after that, and then you're looking at possibly USC-UCLA in the championship game if they get that far. You, you look at that, that gauntlet, uh, any teams in particular – that that could cause Arizona problems? No question, man. I can run through it. Look, Arizona is clearly the best team. It's why they won the Pac-12 regular season by three games. But they've been tested. We've already talked about their two losses, right? This is a neutral floor. I, I know they call Las Vegas Tucson North or whatever the heck they call it, right? But it is a neutral floor. There will be other fans there for the first time, by the way. The last year, there weren't any fans. This year, there, there's going to be some Oregon fans. There's going to be some, you know, Arizona State fans, no doubt. Mm. Um yeah, I know. I don't remember <laughs> who I'm talking with. Yeah. Um, so, look, I did. I called the Arizona State Arizona game uh, for FS1 this year. Mm-hmm. That game wasn't a total blowout. Um, and Arizona State, I know you guys don't give them any credit at all, but they're no, uh, they're on a roll right now for sure. Yeah, they've won they've won seven of their last eight uh, mm-hmm. games. Uh, like, let's not mess around with Marion Jackson uh, feeling one and and hitting five or six threes. Uh, Jalen Graham and, and his improvement over the last month has been re- truly remarkable. They're, they're a really nice story in Tempe. I wouldn't pick them, guys. I'm not saying that. But is it crazy to think that Arizona and Arizona State would be in a dogfight with five minutes to go? That's not crazy at all to me. No. And then how about – so Oregon, to me, the, in, in all of the wins that uh, Arizona had in the Pac-12 regular season, the one that was the closest was Oregon at Tucson. That game was high-level basketball. It was in, The final score was in the 80s, and Oregon didn't blink. I know Oregon has really kind of fallen on their face here at the end when they, they've fallen off the bubble. They're not going to be in the tournament, but that makes them even more motivated to beat Arizona. They'd be right back in the thick of it. They'd have a chance to get back into the NCAA tournament, and you guys both know, I don't have to convince you, Oregon is talented, man. They are a lot better individually than their record has indicated i don't know what's going on over there but those dudes can play did you know that will richardson has not made a field goal in those last two games he is 0 for 11 from the field he's only made two free throws i'm not sure what that is he's played 66 minutes by the way so it's not like he got hurt and didn't play he's been out there and just has not scored a bucket if will richardson can get back would it be crazy that Oregon defeats Arizona? Absolutely not. So I, I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. But, like, Arizona better be ready. They better be ready. I got two more for you, Casey. Uh, give me your, your list of national championship contenders, and is Arizona on that list? 
Arizona is most definitely on the list. Uh, you, you started with Gonzaga, but we would throw a whole lot of teams in there, though. Uh, Duke is definitely on that list. Baylor is on that list, although Baylor, th- they're missing their leading scorer. His name is LJ Cryer. He's a guard. He's a really good shooter for them and a creator. He's been out of the lineup uh, with a foot injury, and we don't know if he's going to come back at all. It's possible that he will, but it's also possible that he's not. And I also find it ironic that a cast off for Arizona is now leading them. James Akinjo yep. uh, is, is, you know, he's volatile. He's up and down, but when he's on, he can get by anybody in the country, man. He, he's, he's been tough for Baylor. So I would, I would definitely throw Baylor in there. I would definitely throw UCLA in there. You know, UCLA is ranked in the top 15 in both offense and defensive efficiency. So is, two, uh, so is Arizona. Uh, they're the only two Pac-12 schools that can say that. Um, you know, so it's impressive that UCLA can play both sides of the ball. There's not a lot of teams in America uh, that, that you can uh, also say that. I'd throw Auburn, Kentucky uh, in there. I would throw the Illinois fighting Illini out of the Big Ten in there with Kofi Coburn and Alfonso Plummer, the former Utah Ute shooting guard. He's averaging 15 points a game, if you didn't know that, for, for Illinois this year. He's their second leading scorer. He's been a really nice pickup for them. Um I'm probably leaving out one or two other teams, but that, there's a list of like nine or 10 teams that I, I wouldn't be surprised that are cutting down the nets. All right. And my last question for you, Casey, and again, we really do appreciate your time. I feel like we, like Eric says, sometimes I feel like we did, we're going to school right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, like Eric mentioned, you, know, you had some battles with Arizona back in the day, the road team seemed to to win most, I think won most yeah. of those games, which is kind of bizarre, but can you just describe how intense that rivalry was during the Lute Olson, Mike Montgomery era? Oh, man, I have such good memories of it. Um, yeah, I, I remember my freshman year on my first time uh, at the McHale Center. I got my eye split open by Ricky Anderson. It was an inadvertent elbow right to my eyebrow, cut my cut my eye wide open. I had to go in the locker room. And they stitched me up and it was an Arizona team doctor that stitched me up because we didn't have our we didn't have a doctor on the road with us at that time. Did he take so, his time? Yes. And I, and I was like, <laughs> and I said something to him. I'm like, Hey, don't be taking your time. I need it. Cause it was the first half. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, doc, I need to get back out there, man. We ended up winning that game. I, I only had, he, know, was, he was, he was just being thorough. Okay, so. <laughs> he, he was being thorough. Yeah. yeah. And you can tell, like, I, I still, I still look pretty good if I, if I do say so, so myself. So I appreciate that Arizona doc. There you go. Me intact that night. Um, I had, I was on a podcast with Richard Jefferson. We, we, we discussed all about this and a couple of funny stories came up. One of them was my sophomore year, the year you guys were talking about when, when Arizona played in the national title game against Duke. Um, we played again, it was at Tucson and my matchup was Gilbert Arenas, which, you know, I, I was a scorer. I was a shooter. I wasn't necessarily a great defender. Our team was really good defensively, but I wasn't a great individual defender. Gilbert was a tough matchup for me. I mean, you know, on an island, I, there's no way I could stay in front of him. In team defense with help, like the Collins twins behind me, I had a little bit more confidence. Anyways, we're playing, and Gilbert's, like, taking some wild shots, kind of bailing me out, not really taking me off the bounce, but, like, shooting a lot of contested Jays. And, you know, I heard Richard come over and was like, hey, like, keep the ball. Like, uh, Gilbert, you don't have to keep shooting all the time. And, and he goes, he goes, Rich. It's my birthday, and I'm trying to get 30 today. So apparently it was Gilbert Arenas' birthday, and he had it in his mind that on his birthday he was going to give himself a present of 30 points. Uh, That was not the case. We won the game. (laughs) Gilbert was short of 30 points, but just kind of goes to show you how wild Gilbert can be. 
uh, on and off the floor. He, he was, uh, he was tough, tough to guard, but he was a little, he was a little wild. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, like I, I never hated Arizona. I respected them. Um, I knew Jason Gardner. Uh, we met at the McDonald's all American game in high school. Uh, he's from Indianapolis and I thought he was just a really, really awesome, humble guy. And I, and I know he's on the staff now with Tommy Lloyd. I think that's a great, great idea that Tommy, for Tommy to bring him back. Um, Michael Wright, uh, the late Michael Wright, wish he was still with us. A total beast, man. They don't make dudes like that anymore, man. That, that guy's, his shoulders were, they seemed like five feet wide. He was a walking wall. Um, I didn't want to mix it up with Mike Wright. I tried to steer clear of that. Um, but some great experiences. Look, my college career was a lot of fun, but it was the most fun when you could, you know, when the ball's tipped and you look across the way and you have a team that can beat you if you're not, if you're not prepared. Uh, that, that is what it's about. I don't want to play against any, you know, teams where we're going to win by 25. I want to play against teams that I know if we're not ready, they're going to smack us. Uh, and that's what it was like to play against Arizona every single year, whether we're at Maples Pavilion or at the McHale Center. You know, Casey, I always looked at you and I was like, God, does this guy ever miss from three-point range? I think he shot like 45% in college from behind the three-point line. You were one of those guys that I looked at as an opposing fan. I was like, God, he's really good, but God, he's annoying. Can we just, can sure. this guy just have a bad game against us? You know, two and one at McHale Center, just, just brutal. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. All right, so last question. I may be a little misinformed here. I, I think you're calling the game this weekend, the championship game uh, at, yeah. in, at the Pac-12 tournament. Is that correct? It is correct for Fox, yes. All right, so um, if you were to make a bold prediction, will you be calling Arizona this weekend? I know you have the, you won't be calling them on Friday night, but will you be calling them on Saturday night? Bold prediction. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I'd be surprised, not shocked, but surprised if Arizona doesn't make it to, to Saturday. Yeah, I'm calling the games, uh, the late game each night. So on mm -hmm. Thursday night, the 8.30 tip-off okay. game for FS1 on Thursday, which, it, which will be USC versus the winner of Utah and Washington, I believe. And then the next night, so the winner of, of that game. So if it works out, I'd be calling the USC-UCLA -US rematch in the semifinals. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then the championship game Saturday, 6 p.m. Pacific time on Fox for the first time ever, actually. We've, so we've never put the Pac-12 championship game on Big Fox I'm super excited to be working it. My play-by-play -play guy is Joe Davis, the Dodgers announcer. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah. So we're we're, we're really looking forward to it. Um, but yes, I do predict that uh, I'm going to predict that UCLA and Arizona will square off. Um, it, yeah, it's chalk, but it's a really interesting matchup, and I want to see it for the third time. And I think all of us can agree that would be an incredible matchup. Casey, thank you so much for joining Shane and I. It's been awesome getting a chance to talk to you. You've been a great guest, and we'd love to have you on again soon. It's my pleasure, guys. Have a great week. You know, Shane, I thought those two interviews were going to be great, and they were better than expected. I mean, seriously, so you and I do this for fun. Yeah. And we're really lucky to have great sponsors in Backcourt Marketing and Ice Shaker, don't get me wrong. But, like, we do this just to have a good time and to talk Arizona sports. I, I hope you guys listening enjoyed Steve Spurrier and Casey Jacobson as much as Shane and I did actually getting to talk to them. You know, we try to position this show as like we're sitting at a bar, you know, and we're, we're all sitting at the, at the bar and we're just talking Arizona sports, you know, 
Yeah. And that's what I felt like with those guys. All right. Some of my questions with Spurrier were, were what they were. No, they're great. They're great. But, fanboy, you know, I'm a little fanboy yeah. with Spurrier. Well, but, but, with, with Steve, I just want to mention there with Steve Spurrier. And I saw he was going to be speaking at, at this event in, yeah. uh, in Tucson. So I, I, I tried to find contact, contact info for him. And I find this email. It's at the HBC for head ball coach at Florida, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and just out of the blue, I'm like, maybe, maybe he'll respond. I didn't think, think so. A couple of days later, I'm at the doctor. I can't answer the phone. And I get this call from South Carolina and I don't think anything of it. I'm like, must be just a, you know, a, a spam or something. And then I get this, I listen to this message. Hey Shane, it's coach Spurrier. You got a heck of a basketball team. Down there. Like, Holy crap. I just, I, I just missed Steve Spurrier's call. So I called back and we got in touch. And, and of course, he, if you watch the, 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 the video version, you see him wearing an Arizona Wildcats shirt, which you never thought you'd see with Steve Spurrier. So he was fantastic. And we, and like you said, we have to have him back before the Mississippi state game. Yeah. And then uh, Casey Jacobson just, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I guess you got a chance to interview Casey Jacobson back when I was at the Bailey Wildcat, huh. uh, when I was doing a feature on Luke Walton, who was a rookie in the, uh, with the Lakers at the time and talked to uh, Casey, who was with the Suns. Uh, I went to a Suns-Lakers game. Uh, and that was the first game Kobe Bryant was back after the mm. um, the rape allegations. And everything. Oh, wow. Wow, um, yeah. Big atmosphere. But I, t- I talked to Casey then. Of course, I'm sure he has no memory of it. It was 18 years ago. But fantastic guests, like you said. And, uh, and, and like... I really do just... It's just like... It's fun just like chatting in the bar, like you said. You know, the only thing we're missing is having a beer in our hand. But that's okay. Well, some weeks you do. Uh, so, <laughs> so well after after football season i definitely need a beer or two most of the time but you know just want to thank once again our great sponsors ice shaker uh who is the who's the sponsor for buy or sell check them out icehaker.com and uh, you want to get one of these things if you uh, want to represent uh, wildcat country or you know it's just it's cool looking i mean the red white and blue with with our logo inspired and- by the 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 cactus logo obviously yeah yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. So check that out at iShaker.com. And then, of course, our friends at Backcourt Marketing. You know, uh, if you know uh, someone with a small business that needs some social media help, which we all know somebody that needs social media help, but if they're a small business, uh, Backcourt Marketing can help them out. Check them out, backcourtmarketing.com. Also on Twitter, at BackcourtMKTG. Uh, and they'll be firing off plenty of tweets during March Madness. Uh, so check them out. Uh, we usually retweet them and on our page at cat country AZ on Twitter. All right, Shane, uh, as we go into it here, uh, this is the PAC 12 tournament. And normally in this last segment, it's about making predictions. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. We'll just kind of go round by round. And I'm just going to, you know, instead of picking every game individually, let's just go round by round. Uh, first question, will ASU beat Stanford and therefore face Arizona on Thursday? Oh, I, you know what? I kind of have a feeling Stanford's going to beat him. I know ASU has been playing wow. much better, but I kind of feel like Stanford might, might find a way to get past. Him. So okay. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't know, but I, I think I, gosh, I as of now, I think Stanford's going to win. Okay. Uh, I think, I think ASU wins and I think ASU plays uh, Arizona close yeah. on, uh, on Thursday. Okay. If, if ASU wins, that will happen. I agree. All right, so Friday uh, or on Thursday will be four matchups uh, of the best eight teams in the conference that, that advance that far. Okay, uh, do you see any upsets amongst those four? Do you think the top four, which are Arizona, UCLA, USC, and Colorado, will all advance to Friday? Uh, I like Oregon to to do what they have to do. I, I think, like like Casey Jacobson said, you know, Oregon's such a weird team, but it, it's really it's all about the Pac-12 tournament now. So I'd like Oregon to, to beat Colorado, if you want to call that an upset. But I think it's chalk with the other three games. Okay. Um, last year in the Pac-12 tournament, we saw the bracket completely just melt. 
Oregon State ended up beating Oregon in the in the championship game. Oregon State then gets hot and the tournament goes on to the Elite Eight. And now Oregon State's won. I think they won more games in the NCAA tournament last year than they have all season. This year, the same amount, I believe. I think it's oh, three, is it the three and three. three. Four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not great. No. Um, who is the Cinderella team that could make a run? If it's not, if it's not Arizona and UCLA and, and USC, who's the team that could could break this bracket down and, and surprise everybody? Is it Colorado? Is it Oregon? Is it ASU? Stanford? Who you got? Oregon, Oregon. I, I, the Ducks have done it before. I, I in fact, I. I think that Arizona's going to get tripped up at some point and either by Oregon in the semifinals or UCLA in a championship game. I, I think those are going to be two tough matchups. We saw how difficult Oregon was uh, for Arizona and Tucson and then UCLA, Arizona. I, despite the records and the fact that Arizona has been better overall, I think they're very evenly matched. I think they're about equally talented and I could see UCLA getting the upper hand in a rematch. So I, I but it, if you're asking for a, you know, a team other than the top three, I think Oregon is the, maybe it's a little too obvious a choice, but I would go with the ducks just because of their track record. Okay. So uh, please predict the outcome of the championship game for the PAC 12 going right out on a limb here. If you don't yeah. think Arizona's going to be there, who is, and then who's going to win the tournament? Well, I, I think if Arizona gets, uh, I think Arizona, Oregon would be a coin flip, but I, I think if it comes down to Arizona, I think it'd probably be Arizona UCLA but I, I think UCLA probably gets the better of them. I don't think it's going to matter that much in terms of C- Arizona would get the one seed if they got that far. So it, yeah. it's fine if that happens, but I could see a scenario where Arizona, I, I feel like Arizona, Oregon is a coin flip and Arizona UCLA is a coin flip. So I just think Arizona is going to lose one of those two, put it that way. All right. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give you a really ice cold prediction here. You're going to just shake your head. When I say this, if Arizona were to play Stanford on Thursday, Arizona will advance to Saturday. If Arizona plays ASU and ASU plays them as tough as I think, I would not be shocked at all if Oregon wins that matchup. Not sure. Yeah. So I'm going to say UCLA over Arizona in the Pac-12 championship game. I still think, as Casey said, that that UCLA is a Final Four caliber team. Um, I, I, I thought they were the best team on paper coming into the season. They obviously haven't proved it. But I think come tournament time, Mick Cronin's a very good coach. I think UCLA beats Arizona in a dramatic uh, Pac-12 championship game. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Wildcats win. But at the same time, the most important thing, as far as I'm concerned, is twofold. Beat ASU if you play them and don't get hurt. And, 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 and don't get hurt, obviously, number one. But, but beating ASU is, is number two. Before we, we go, Eric, yeah. I want to ask you, I want to turn the tables on you because you like to put me on the spot with your, uh, your, your out of nowhere by yourself. Okay. So yeah. here, here's yeah. one. Before we even know the brackets. Okay. You're a gambling man. Yep. I'm going to present uh, two options for you. The, and you have to put, and say you had to put some, some significant money, like, like I'd be hurting a little bit if I lost this money. Okay. Okay. Option A, Arizona wins the national championship. Mm-hmm. Option B, Arizona loses to an eight or nine seed in the second round. Which do you would you think is more likely to the point where you would have to bet one over the other? I mean, here's the oh, that's brutal. Oh, it hurts, doesn't it, to be on the yeah. spot like this? Let, let me tell you why it's brutal. Because if I say if I say one thing, I'm gonna get crapped on. Yeah. And if I say, yeah, all right, so you know what? Let me. Let, well, here, how about this? How about this? Let me just throw this at you. If it, the question was final four or eight or nine, I would go final four. Final four. Because I, I think that that's more realistic. I think it's much. Yes. You, remember this, Eric, you get to the final four, 
you're only two thirds of the way there. Okay. Correct. It's very impressive. And Arizona hasn't been in 21 years, but it's a lot easier to get to the final four still than win the whole Correct. thing. So I would lean final four in that scenario, but that's why I made it tough. Yeah. The national championship or eight or nine seed, eight, loss. eight nine seed loss. Uh, you just, those games are usually you see one team a year, maybe, or one team every other year that loses to an eight, nine. Um, yeah. I mean, it's scary. It just depends on the matchup. I mean, if you get yeah. a team that, that is, that likes to slow the game down, you know, and, and makes it a crawl and Arizona just, you know, shoots badly as Casey said. So yeah, I think an eight, nine seed is probably losing to them is more likely than a national championship, but you know, uh, I think if Arizona gets by the eight, nine game, which can be tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think they're going to win at their sweet 16 game. I think they're in the elite eight. And then we, you know, then it's not quite house money. I think the final four, if you make it to the final four, it's house money at this point, as far as I'm concerned, I know, I know some Wildcats fans will disagree with that you get to new Orleans. You're we're like, Hey, I'm just glad we're here. They made it what, what we thought they would do. Uh, I'm not going to get greedy. Of course I want a national championship, but I, I just get through the first weekend and then yeah. I don't want to have to sweat. Just make it easy. So I don't, I don't want to lose years off my life on well, that. You know, Eric, one. the reason I asked the question is because the last projection I saw had, I think uh, Arizona in the same bracket with uh, the eight seed Iowa state and nine seed North Carolina. And of course we have, who knows what's going to happen. You know, the yeah, those are, they don't concern me, but well, I'm saying like, cause North Carolina has been, been red hot. And if North, and if it's in Arizona, North Carolina, that's the kind of, you know, not all eight and nine seeds are created equal. And if you have an eight or nine seed that's on its way up versus one that's sort of, you know, been like five and five in their last 10, those are two different things. So if Arizona happened to catch a team that's, you know, like North Carolina, that, that's one as of now, 10 of its last 12, then you might have a problem. Arizona will smoke North Carolina because North Carolina doesn't know how to slow the game down consistently enough. Arizona you get my lost. point. You get my yeah. point. The, the t- a team like Murray State is one where you're like, these guys can win, you know, if they shoot the ball like crazy. If they slow the game down, I mean, those are the scary nine seeds. I, North Carolina to me, I'm like, great. Uh, Arizona will smoke them. I wouldn't wouldn't bother me. I don't think Iowa State's that great either. Um, you know, teams like a, a four or five game, like a, a you know Providence and and uh, Texas Tech teams that'll or slow huge, it to a crawl. Maybe, well, yeah, huge. I was going to say Houston, but maybe that they don't fit that. Yeah, I mean, Houston's not playing well lately. Yeah, uh, I know some people have said Memphis. Because Memphis has been on fire. If they move up maybe to a to a nine, you know, that's not a great bet. So we'll we'll go over the bracket next week. But yeah. uh Shane, I, pre- I appreciate you ask answering the question. Yeah, no, it's it's it, the eight, the eight, nine games tricky. It gets me a little uh, uptight. Uh, it's been a great show. Uh thank you to Steve Spurrier. I mean, what are the, the head ball coach for joining us? Casey Jacobson, uh, just an, an awesome interview. Uh, our, our sponsors, uh, Backcourt Marketing, Ice Shaker, just been been an absolute blast. This is why we love doing Wildcat Country, and uh, we'll be back next week. A lot to talk about, men's and women's. And uh, gosh, it just uh, sorry we didn't touch on on baseball and softball this week, but there's just so much going on. We'll get into it. It with basketball, football, a lot to lot to discuss. A lot of exciting things in the coming weeks. So for Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. As always, bear down.